Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception, Reception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Doe, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception. Reception, the show. Uh, Matt, my voice, uh, it's not all the way back, but it is back enough. And I got to play hurt. That's what you got to do sometimes. You got to tough it out a little bit. But uh, I'm back, baby. Let's go. Well, I appreciate you being back, man. Uh, you know, I host enough uh, podcasts on, on you know, other <laughs> venues and stuff like that that right. I, don't need to be, I don't need to be jumping in the host chair of this one, too. But it was great for, for Gelhar to fill in. You know, we had a great episode talking about, like, the top five receivers in the NFL. So that was awesome. But always better, James, when you and I are doing this together. That's, that's what this is all about, man. So I'm, I'm glad to have you back, bro. And I hope well, you're feeling better the rest of the week. I know. I'm. I'm just trying to get by, man. It's. It's almost as if I need my voice to. Uh, to work or something. I know it's kind of crazy. <laughs> a little um, bit. But yeah, a little bit. But um, I will say this: the the show that you and Gelhar had was was fantastic. It's. It's almost as if you guys had done it before. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, even if the microphones aren't there. Um. You know. You could have put a couple beers in each of each of exactly. our hands, and you know, put a you know, put us back in that old Selby apartment in West LA. And it's like, we've had these is. conversations about 500 times. So uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no hard, no hard thing there. Uh, it's pretty yeah. easy, but yeah, man, we uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about today uh, with the trade deadline happening, man. It, it was a wild week. I mean, the craziest trade deadline. Um, I mean, just in terms of total volume of trades going down and it was kind of crazy too, right? Because Again, we, we've seen a lot of trade deadlines where absolutely nothing happens. The other storyline that I thought was interesting about the whole trade thing was that the names that we thought were going to get moved didn't get moved. Kareem Hunt yeah. still with Cleveland. Brandon Cooks still with Houston. Like, you know, it, it, a lot of the guys that we thought might be on the move ended up just not getting moved at all. But I want to talk about some some of the trades here. Let's talk about some trade winners, some trade losers. And later in the show, it's bye week apocalypse. Six teams on a bye. So, um, you know, we talk regular football here, but we, of course we talk fantasy football here as well. I want to get the people prepared, ready. You need some deeper sleepers. All right, fine. Let's get you ready with some sleepers on the back end of this show as well. But I want to start in Green Bay because to me, Matt, clearly one of the losers because absolutely no movement, which I guess shouldn't surprise folks, but I mean, come on, Green Bay, make a move, make a damn move, Green Bay. What is going on? How can they not make a move during the trade deadline? Well, it's like a bit at this point and they're, they're pretty darn well committed to that bit, you know, not adding a wide receiver, you (laughs) know, Um, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show thinking, uh, Oh man, I, you know, hope, we can have something, something to break here in the middle of the show. Nothing, nope. um, you know. Apparently, they were in on the Chase Claypool discussion. We'll talk about Claypool um, later on. You know, 
I don't know what it would have taken to get Brandon Cooks. By the way, I mean, you, you brought up Brandon Cooks. It is a little weird that Cooks, you know, seems like he's a little miffed that he didn't get traded. You know, he had a cryptic tweet right after the trade deadline passed, you know, messing with talking about messing with his career, all that stuff. I mean, buddy, you signed a contract extension with the Texans this offseason. What did you think was going to happen? What did you think this team was going to be competing? Like, so I'm not, and I'm never the like honor the contract guy, you know, I mean, that's not <laughs> right, what I'm right, saying right, at all, right, 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 but right. it's just like, yeah, the Texans were going to be bad. They are bad. What, what did we expect? But I don't know what it would have taken to get cooks. You know, he has big salary. That extension probably made it harder for him to get moved. You know, I, I bet that was probably 100%. more complicated in it. And you know, the other guy that was you know maybe available that didn't get traded was Jerry Judy. Um, you know, I, I still, I'm not a hundred percent sure how good of a player Jerry Judy is. I think he's, he's certainly moved past Cortland Sutton the last three weeks, which, you know, I've been saying that was probably going to happen for a while now, but that's more of a Sutton thing and more of just the, 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 the volume there is not great in Denver. So I, no. I still think Judy, like, is he a, is he a number one receiver? Probably not. I think he might be no. like a boom bust number two, but boom bust number two would help out the Packers a lot. So I was not surprised that they didn't get, and I don't even want to hear, I don't even want to entertain the Elijah Moore thing. Like that was, come on. If you were out there like praying for Elijah Moore to go to the Packers, like you need to get, get, get help, man. Cause you're never, you'll never, <laughs> you'll never be happy if that's the type of stuff you're hoping for. I mean, even something small, uh, like how about just like, if again, I, we talked about this in the preseason, I mean like the jets, if they could move like Denzel Mims, like even yeah. something, something small to just a, a bone that Green Bay could throw the fan base, that they could throw Aaron Rodgers. Like, oh, hey, we got this athletic, long, you know, outside wide receiver. Could be a field stretcher for you, Aaron. You know, yeah. second round pick. We got him for a fourth. It's not bad. You know what I mean? Like something, anything to make this happen, man. I, I don't know. I, I just... You're right. It's a bit at this point, Green Bay not making a move. And, and again, it's like, oh, wow, shocker. They didn't make a trade. But I, it just felt like this team is different, right? Because in years past, they weren't this bad. Now they're bad. Right. I think you could have justified it in the past to say, hey, um, we have Devontae Adams. Like, we don't need a great number two. Like, we're fine if Alan Lazard is our number two or the ghost of right. Randall Cobb is our number two because we have Devontae Adams. But like you could justify that you could justify not taking like, you know, Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk in that, in that 2020 uh, NFL draft, or even last year, you know, the year before, not this last draft, but the 2021 draft, like you could still justify it because you had, you have a great running back in Aaron Jones and you have a great, um, the, the best wide receiver in football in, in Devontae Adams. You can't really justify right. now at this point when like Alan Lazard's your number one, and he's dealing with an injury, you know, and it's just kind of like, it's really hard to win in the NFL when you, when you don't have wide, like when you don't have wide receivers, you know, when, when um, you know, your top three catch players are Robert Tanyan, you know, with 35 catches and, and Tanyan's God. not, Tanyan's not even like a, like a star tight end. He's like a fringe no. starter at the position. Um, Romeo Dobbs is your number two in terms of catches and he's a fourth round rookie. And then, you know, Aaron Jones is 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 there at the third spot. Well, he's tied. No, he's tied with Romeo Dobbs for second on the team in catches with thirty. That's and like, so bad. That's cute on paper. It's it's cute in fantasy projections and like you know, I, I it's, this is the stuff that like it's so easy to say this heading into week nine, middle of the season. But it's like you want to go back and tell yourself in the summer when Aaron Rodgers and like and the coaching staff is like, oh, I think we can get both backs on the field. Like we can get both backs to fifty catches and and want to be like, dude, if you're have two backs that catch 50 passes, your offense is going to suck. Like just heads up in, in, in the year 2022. Yeah, I, it's like, I wish, I wish you'd go back and like remind the fantasy, like news cycle in the off season, the news cycle in the off season that, Hey, if that's what your offense is going to look like, it's going to be really, really bad. So yeah, it's, it's just more the same. And I feel like we'll just keep getting what we're getting from green Bay because of the lack of moves here. If you had like Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle as a tight end yeah. running back that were like leading targets and fine. You know, fine. But that's not who you got, man. Like, yeah. otherwise, functional NFL offenses need wide receivers to be their leading receivers. Call me crazy. Mm -hmm. Call me crazy. Uh, Green Bay, I don't think, has a functional offense. As a matter of fact, Aaron Rodgers, as you guys probably know, has topped out at 255 yards passing. Topped out. Oh, my God. Has not had a single 300-yard game. Come on. It's Aaron Rodgers we are talking. And don't get me wrong, 
and I know Packer fans and, and Aaron Rodgers haters, like, I, I get it. They're circling the wagons right now. I get it. Rodgers has not played like a two-time or, you know, consecutive MVP. I, I totally understand that part. He hasn't. That being said, the cupboard is bare, man. And, Matt, what is even more of a stark contrast is when you see guys like like A.J. Brown go to a new team and absolutely lift the offense, when you see Tyreek Hill go to Miami and absolutely lift an offense, these guys are lifting offenses, man. Green Bay, let that be a strength. As a matter of fact, we mm-hmm. talked about it ad nauseum last year about the Bengals selecting Jamar Chase. They don't go to the Super Bowl with, with Panay Sewell, man. Like, I'm sorry. It just right. doesn't yeah, happen. 100%. Yeah. Right. So they take Jamar Chase and what happens? The passing game now becomes a thing. It's a strength. That's the identity of their team. You would think with Aaron Rodgers that you would want that to be the identity of your team. But no, with a guy like LaFleur, he always wants the identity to be the run game for whatever reason. I don't know why. Anyways, we'll move on. Green Bay, um, I thought a big time loser during the, the, the trade deadline. I really liked what Baltimore did only because I think Roquan Smith is the perfect guy to go to Baltimore. He's like the most Baltimore linebacker ever, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. And I love the fact that he's now wearing this random-ass wide receiver number. He's wearing 18. 18? Oh, God. I, I'm sorry. I No, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. You know what's funny, man? He's going to look so fast. He's going to yeah. wear that 18, and he's going to look so much faster in that 18, then he, whatever, whatever, what he was wearing in Chicago, man. I, I dig it. I love it. I know it's crazy, it's, but I love yeah. it. It's just the whole number thing, man. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm more used to the, you know, like saying the wide receivers wearing single digits. Okay. I can get used to that. But like, yeah. you know, you get a linebacker wearing 18. It's just, that's it's tough, weird. man. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Weird. Um, I hinted at it just a little bit. Pittsburgh trades away Chase Claypool. They, I thought they got a King's ransom, dude. Like I cannot really believe the bears paid what they paid to go get Chase Claypool, especially after trading away Roquan Smith. When you trade away Roquan Smith and say, okay, well, we're going to take, you know, a low second round pick for that. Okay. That that's, I think that's fine. But you're also telling, you're also saying like, Hey, we're kind of sort of in rebuild mode. Then they give up their own second round pick to go get Chase Claypool. And it's a very, it's a muddled, strategy i think for chicago and and quite frankly i I thought i thought pittsburgh just got amazing value for a guy who was their number three uh wide receiver yeah um agree with a lot of what you're saying it's a little um puzzling for the bears and you know they end up that will probably be a reasonably high pick uh it'll be higher than their but it's nice to you know they have another second rounder you know apparently they just weren't going to do the deal with Roquan Smith because of positional value, which, you know, some people just don't value off ball linebackers that way. But, you know, if Chase Claypool comes in there and plays really well, like, I mean, even if he doesn't play really well, like he can, I don't know if he'll, he'll do it, but like he could hold out for a contract extension, you know, cause he'll be eligible for an extension after this year, him and Darnell Mooney both could, you know, but the problem is like, neither of these dudes are like w- number one receivers. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they're probably like best as number threes and, you know, Chase Claypool had a really promising rookie season, you know, even in reception perception, there was good um, notes there, but then his second season, he really, really struggled as an out pure outside receiver. Couldn't separate. He's also like, he just doesn't play to his size at all. Um, you know, no. he, he's big. He's like two thirty plus six forty, um, but he doesn't win contested catches. I mean, that's been my biggest problem with Chase Claypool is that he does not consistently win 50-50 balls and it's like you should be, you know, you're you're getting comparisons to like remember when they called him Mapletron in his rookie year cuz he's ah, like from Canada right. or whatever and it's like you should be winning those 50-50 balls, man, and he he does not. Um but I, I think he can be an interesting like big I think he's got to stay as a big slot. I think he's got to stay as sort of like an open field design touches type of player. Um, but that still leaves him with a gaping hole, you know, for like a big physical perimeter guy, the strategy part of it. I mean, I, I just don't really, I don't really know how I feel about Chase Claypool as, as a player, I guess is where I'm at with it. I, I think he's probably a D like a guy you can get away with starting, but you probably want to be your three, which is kind of sounds like where Darnell Mooney is as a player. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't give either of those guys like $20 million when that's probably what the market will be when they come up for a contract extension, just after the whole Christian Kirk thing, stuff like that. I mean, Christian Kirk, better football player than those two guys, but long story short, like I just, 
I think Chicago's receiver core is better with Chase Claypool. How much better is the question, but it's clear that like what, what this move does signal to me is that the bears have now seen enough to be like open-minded to Justin Fields being their guy, you know, because he's played pretty well the last three or four weeks. I think Luke Getze has sort of evolved his thinking and play calling and the way he designs the offense around Justin Fields skill set. You know, they've gotten him on so many more designed runs and things like that. This, this goes to show that I think, okay, they're, they're, they're like, let's get Fields some help so he can continue to grow and develop so that we can feel even better about him going into 2023. You know what I feel like the offense has done just from a visual standpoint, I don't have any data to back this up, but just, just watching them play. It seems as if they've really kind of reduced the number of options that fields has first or second read. If it's not their run. Um, And I think that's been really good for fields. He's not what I think what the problem was in the first, like, you know, maybe four or five weeks of the season, he just looked lost. He had no confidence. He didn't know when to pull the trigger. Um, And I think that really hurt him. And then I feel like they simplified his looks, you know, so either you're going to go to your first, you're going to go to your primary. And if that's not there, go to your secondary check down. And if the check down's not there, fricking run it. And that has really proven itself over the last four weeks where he's averaging, I don't know, something like 75 rush yards a game or something, something really impressive. I will say this. What is truly interesting is that all four teams that he has played where he has played well, those are all teams that are top 10 in total sacks. So every single time he's been under pressure, he has been able to tuck it and run. Mm-hmm. At some point, though, Matt, I wonder if other D coordinators around the league are going to say, we're really going to kind of give him like that mush pass rush and just say, you got to beat us with the arm. Um, yeah. And that's really where I think it will really be interesting um, to see if he has developed because you know what, man, like when he can set his feet and throw the ball, it looks freaking beautiful. I mean yeah. that the yeah. ball He's comes out of arm. his hand. He's got a great arm, good touch. The ball just comes out. Like it, he's got a very live arm and it looks awesome. Um, I just think confidence is a little bit of a thing. I think, you know, and again, I, I just, can he make the reads, you know, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's been a great month of football uh, for Justin Fields. And you're right. I think this month of football encouraged the bears, Chicago to make that move to go get Chase Claypool. How much is Chase Claypool going to help Justin Fields? I actually don't know. To me, that seems pretty murky. Like that's why that's another reason why I thought the trade was weird. How are they going to utilize Chase Claypool? I don't know. That's a great question. Cause again, I think he needs to be almost like a, almost like a pseudo tight end, you know, big, um, big slot type of guy. Like he's not good enough as a separator to win on the outside. And he's not good enough in contested situations to offset those separation concerns. So he's not like a boundary X receiver type. He is gotta be that movable chest, which, you know, Darnell Moody's been like a pseudo slot guy this year. He's been about 50, 50 inside outside. So, you know, does chase Claypool become that guy? I I don't know. I mean, of course the Packers were also apparently in on chase Claypool, but you know, the bears had more like a higher, a likely higher second round pick to give back. Although, I mean, they they do have the same record as the Packers, so it's not, (laughs) but I mean, I think we, we assume that that'll change at some point, but um, maybe not, maybe don't assume that, but yeah, that's a bit there. He's a very Packers guy, Chase Claypool. He's like, like Christian Watson is like, is like Chase Claypool in, in some senses. So that made sense that green Bay was involved in that, but yeah, I, I, don't know how Claypool is going to be utilized there. And I think, again, from the strategy angle, it was like, let's just get this guy into building right now, have him start building some chemistry with fields. And, you know, we know Chase Claypool can be a, like a functional NFL receiver. Like he can play in the NFL. Uh, we don't know that some second round rookie next year is going to be able to do that. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, Miami, I thought clearly, obviously, a winner during the trade deadline. Uh, picked up Bradley Chubb. You know, you, you've got elite defensive help. And then sneakily, they also add Jeff Wilson, which is really funny, right, Matt? Because uh, you, you've got Mike McDaniel there, oh, right? And he's got the backfield from like three or four years ago or whatever it was with now Mostert and Jeff Wilson as his one-two as they trade away. Um uh, uh, Chase Edmonds as well. Yeah, nice to get Chase Edmonds out out of there. Um, you know, because what a disaster that that signing was, and you know they gave right. him a lot of money. Um, yeah, I mean, just what a disaster. It's hard hard to say. He like has the highest drop rate among running backs, and like that was supposed to be what Chase Edmonds did was catch passes, and like he's right. no, that's not good. And he just didn't look like a system fit. Weird signing. It's almost like all the all the goodwill that the Dolphins have brought with this offense and stuff like that it's like okay good we can just forget about the fact that you guys did try to sign like chase <laughs> contract there right. uh, but yeah jeff wilson i like that addition there because we know the thing with raheem mostert is he's here he's not here for a long time he's here for a good time like he's an injury risk we know there that um and, and jeff go. wilson he's i think jeff wilson has played well this year obviously the 49ers they make that christian mccaffrey move like he just is going to get thrown to the shelf and um, you know, that, that also tells us that they're pretty confident in Elijah Mitchell coming back, like, you know, probably in week 10. Uh, so, which is good. He's a guy that, you know, got to keep on the radar as well. will be kind of the backup yeah. there. And he brings a, a little more juice than Jeff Wilson does from a speed perspective, but you know, yeah, Jeff Wilson, Miami, I think that matters a lot because if, um, if Raheem Mostert went down that, that running game with Chase Edmonds as the lead back and even just Mostert like splitting in was really bad. I mean, even, even they're not still that good right now They're I think they're like 19th in terms of rushing DVOA. Like they haven't been a good rushing offense. So be, being able to keep that train on the tracks is, is important. Uh, and just getting like getting, you know, singles and doubles from the run game is important when you're this much of a vertical passing offense, like the Miami dolphins has, have been, I mean, you know, what Jalen Waddle and, and Tyree Kill are doing right now is unbelievable, but being able to keep that run game around is crucial. I, the, the Bradley Chubb trade is probably the most like, I don't know why, t- why are teams more active at the trade deadline now? I wish we had been like this more often, but you know, it's, it's not just like, it's not just like, Oh, the Rams influence, you know, they trade all these picks for veterans, all that stuff. But then I, but this one feels like the most Ramsey trade. Um, by the way, apparently the Rams offered two first round picks for Brian Burns and they pat, they, the Panthers turned it down, which, you know, wow. yeah, surprising. The Panthers do want to keep some of their players. Uh, you know what I, what I said about the snake oil salesman, uh, <laughs> many podcasts ago, but, um, yeah. That, so Bradley Chubb coming there is interesting. I mean, that's like, He's going to have a lot of leverage. Apparently they're going to get a contract extension done. That's good. You better do it sooner than later in case he has like a, you know, 15 sacks with you on the way to the Super Bowl or something like that. That, um, that would be a big time payday for him. But yeah, interesting move for their defense that I think um, probably could use a little bit of edge rushing juice. The thing with Chubb is he's just struggled with injuries throughout his career. Hey, let's stay there in uh, Florida. Calvin Ridley gets traded to the Jags. A lot of conditional things got to be met. Uh, there for that uh, that pick to kind of like you know accumulate value but Calvin Ridley um, still suspended obviously but when he comes back if he comes back and if his mind is right if he's in football shape potentially gives Trevor Lawrence their franchise quarterback and the Jags a legitimate number one option there at wide receiver. Yeah. A lot of conditions and, you know, always a lot of questions with Calvin Ridley uh, for a couple of different reasons, but you know, yeah. So if he gets reinstated um, by a certain date uh, and and he, the earliest he can apply for reinstatement is, is February 15th uh, of next year. So that we'll see. Um, But you know, it's worth the fifth rounder. Otherwise it it could be worth a six, depending on those conditions. Uh, If he makes the team, in 2024, so not next season, but the season after, after right. it'll be a fourth rounder. If he hits playing time bonuses, then it's a third. And if Jacksonville gives him a long-term deal, it's worth a second rounder uh, to pick <laughs> for, which 
super super complex um so complex we've i mean i don't think i've ever i don't think this has ever been done before um a conditional pick like this so really interesting you know of course you're right to to point out with um calvin ridley we don't he does seem excited about this move though you know on social media he's talking about like i'm a florida guy going home blah 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 you know we'll see where his mind's at you know obviously he he suspended this whole year for gambling it's just weird Dude, situation but the the first thing i tweeted out and in, in my tweet got picked up by a couple of different spots but the first thing i pointed out was dude's going back to the scene of the crime he really like, is yeah i mean yeah, really what's is. crazy is that he bet on a falcons jags game that's the game that that like raised all the red flags and got him suspended man like that's what's crazy and then of course he's going back now he's with the Jags like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, there's there's some kind of like irony built in there. Is there not? I mean, it's just I'm it's like, funny. wow, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, it is funny. But I will say this. Look, if he's got his mind right and physically he's good. What a great trade um, yeah. for the Jacksonville Jaguars, because at worst, at worst, you're saying, OK, well, we've got ourselves a really, really high end number two that we then only had to give up a second round pick for. I think that's, that's pretty good. I mean, look at what Chase Claypool got, right? Yeah. And you would, I would much rather have the, you know, Calvin Ridley upside for a second round pick than what the bears got with Claypool. But so I I think it was, I think it's a very smart deal. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, then you're not given that second rounder because exactly. because it's all about the con- like if it works out and he's worth a contract extension he's going to be worth more than a second. I mean he's a little bit of an older guy cuz he came into the league old but who cares? He should be 28 years old like right kind of in the prime of his career. And right. I think this is worth remembering when we've seen Calvin Ridley play, you know, in his in his peak, he's exactly what Jacksonville needs. I mean, what do we come on and talk about on the show all the time? It's like Christian Kirk should be a slot receiver. The two guys that <laughs> that Trevor Lawrence has on the outside, Marvin Jones and Zay Jones, those dudes okay. cannot get open. They cannot create separation. Calvin Ridley, you know, in 2019, he recorded the 24th best success rate versus man coverage number in reception perception history. In 2020, his last, like, you know, obviously before 2021, a lot of rocky stuff there, 89th percentile success rate versus man coverage, 81st percentile success rate versus press coverage. Wow. Well, he was very much on that, like, Stefan Diggs axis of separators as a guy who's, you know, smaller player, but can beat man coverage, can beat press coverage and win at every level. Like, I think he was ready to take off. And then of course he takes the break for mental health reasons. And then right. he never comes back in the 2021 season. It was clear that Atlanta was going to move on from him. I, I was like, you know, there's only a few people that probably ever thought this, but I can't believe there was ever any like, and I'm sure it was just dumb, like aggregate accounts being like, Ooh, imagine when Calvin Ridley gets back and they got Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Calvary. It's like Calvary's literally never gonna play for the Falcons again. But anyways, point being here, I, it's not going to matter for this year, obviously, but man, this is exactly the type of guy that, that Trevor Lawrence does need. Um, and, and they also still need another ball winning X receiver on the outside, but like you can get that in the draft. You can now, now you have a clear target of a type of guy you need to go and get, and you don't, you know, we'll see how that whole group, cause then you're starting to kind of cook a little bit. If you get a ball winner, a big guy, a ball winner on the outside, then you got Calvin Ridley as like a flanker on the outside as well. And Christian Kirk is a lot, slot receiver and Travis Etienne is killing it as a running back. Like now you got something there. Yeah, I agree. I think either that or or if you can find yourself a, a nice athletic young tight end too. We can't um, be, but what about Evan Ingram? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, again, I love looking at all these like stats where people are trying to pile on to Trevor Lawrence and say, oh, well, he's not completing his passes – yeah, you know, pass yards over expectation is negative. His completion percentage is negative. It's like, bro, he is making Evan Ingram like relevant in football. Uh, again, Marvin Jones is like is retired and doesn't know it. He's Zay quiet Jones or whatever the kids. Right, he's <laughs> quiet. He's totally quiet quitting, dude. Like Zay Jones, I like Zay Jones as like a two or three. You know oh, what he's I mean? Like, a four. like I mean, okay, fine. Like, he's a three or four. I mean, but he's a depth piece, dude. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, it, it's just crazy to me that like people won't give Trevor. And by the way, Trevor Lawrence is still in his second season, dude. 
Like I yeah. love that they won't give him the grace to say, oh, well, hey, let, let's actually surround this guy with some talent. Because I tell you what, I, I still look at Trevor Lawrence and I still see the tools. I still yeah. see, okay, this guy, he can he can move the ball. He can, he, he's got some pocket presence. He can actually get outside the pocket and win himself. He's still got the tools, uh, but now they've got to surround him with guys that can actually make plays for him too, man. But uh, I think, I think the move's smart. I like it. I, I like the fact that it's very creative. I love the fact that they did that. Um, and again, as you mentioned, man, they've got targets now in the draft, like go find yourself a big X or somebody that could win downfield a little bit. Uh, maybe find yourself a big, you know, uh, a, a, a little safety safety blanket tight end that could also make some plays. Yeah. All right, how about the Buffalo Bills, man? They make a move to go get Naheem Hines. They trade away Zach Moss, uh, and the running back room uh, is. I just want to say, I, I think they're. It's very multifaceted. They got a lot of tools uh, in that in that running back room. Devin Singletary, I think, has been good. Um, I think again, he can catch it out of the backfield. I think he's been really good when you know, called upon in certain running situations as well. Is he a great running? Of course not. Of course not. But in this particular offense, I think he's pretty effective. Naheem Hines, I think he does a lot of those things as well. Uh, And then James Cook, I think, is still obviously a developmental player, uh, but has shown flashes, obviously, with the speed as well. But right now, to me, I think during this playoff run, it's going to be Naheem Hines, and I think it's going to be Devin Singletary. And to me, I thought that was a very, you know, pretty, I think it was a pretty smart move because Zach Moss really just wasn't giving them anything, you know? And and so they get a little bit of depth. They get a little upgrade there at the RB2 spot. And plus, Hines is going to be able to play a little bit of special teams too. And I think, again, all these little, little things, those help a team that is so close to breaking through. Well, yeah, and look, they've been trying to get this, something like this done for almost a year now, uh, the Buffalo bills, like, right. They, That's true. Remember the great, the great JD McKissick war. That's they, right. They, they wanted him from Washington, Washington signed him back. Brandon Bean was so, so, so pissed about that. They <laughs> got James cook in the second round. Um, you know, they started to kind of give, I was very encouraged about James cook. And especially being like, Oh, this is a guy to stash like in fantasy. Cause they're obviously clearly done with Zach Moss. They were, you know, not yeah. playing him at all. Um, and they were kind of giving James Cook some series against the Packers, which still, if there was ever a Devin Singletary uh, injury, I think at, at some point, th- you know, they'll get uh, James Cook involved because he's probably a better early down back than Hines. But, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they just don't trust James Cook at all. But again, regardless, they clearly wanted this done. And, and, and it has worked this year, even if like James Cook hasn't become a featured player. And obviously they don't have McKissick. Josh Allen. Right has a 21% target share to running backs this year. That's the highest of his career by a lot. 15.4% in 2021, 13.5% in 2020. He's just been throwing to Devin Singletary. Um, Naheem Hines is obviously like, this This is what you would hope that a guy like, you know, J.D. McKissick would be. He's like the better version of J.D. McKissick. He's like the ideal version of the player that they thought they were getting in James Cook. Um, 23.7% snaps in the slot for Naheem Hines, too. 27.5% route the targets per route run. Like, he's – the receiving numbers haven't consistently been there for Hines because he hasn't been consistently involved in the offense. But he has been a, a really um, – He's he's a good receiving back and and I feel oh, like yeah. he's actually going to play a huge role for this Buffalo Bills team. Like he can play in the slot a little bit. Isaiah McKenzie's been super up and down as a slot receiver this year. Um and, and I, yeah, he's I like there's going to be some games where you know Naheem Hines just goes off and, and um you know in playoffs stuff like that. That's going to be that's going to be key. I don't know that this is like a it's a I think it's a reasonable win for Hines as like a fantasy player. Um going to a better offense is always good. Uh going to a team that clearly has a very fixated role for you, that's good too. So it's kind of I think it's a decent win for Hines in fantasy, but really it's just like it makes the Bills offense that much more dangerous and you know, eases the burden on Devin Singletary, who's a guy that, you know, when he's been used a lot, he's been like a producer, but clearly they don't want to rely on him in this way. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I think I think the work that he's done this year has been really good, um, and it's been high quality. But it's again, he's not a bell cow, you know. He's not a dude that you're like, all right, well, we can load him up, you know, with twenty plus touches or whatever, and feel good about it. That's just not, you know. And again, right. I I like Devin Singletary, you know, uh, but adding a guy like Naheem Hines to the mix makes a lot of sense. You know what else is great about that trade too? You're adding team speed. 
You know me. I love it when teams add team speed. Naheem Hines ran a, a sub 4-4-40, I believe. And, um, and he just, again, gives that running back room just a little bit more juice. By the way, if you want to play that, uh, that deep cover two, go for it. Hines on a check down can pick up 10, 15 yards. You know what I mean? Yep. So um, to me, I feel like, yeah, it was a very, very crafty move. Uh, by the Bills for sure to pick up. I think Hines can run option routes. And I think the thing that's been the biggest struggle for Dev or not for Devin Singletary for Isaiah McKenzie as a slot receiver is like, we know he has the speed to get open. You know, we we know he has the speed to beat man coverage as a slot receiver, but I mean, still mostly a returner playing out there. I think he has struggled to be on the same page and struggled to run those option routes. And that's what Cole Beasley was so great at for this team. And I think, you know, Khalil Shakir could develop into that guy in time, but he's a rookie. You know, he's not 100% there yet either. So for the time being, in certain situations, you can have Hines out there as a slot receiver. And I know, I know, everybody out there is probably like, the slot receiver running back thing never works. And and for the most part, you're right. But again, 23% of the snaps, like Hines has been doing for the Colts, that's all we're asking for. And and like in high leverage situations, that is going to matter for Buffalo. Well, I mean, can I even just say like, how about if he just runs a basic wheel route? Like, Oh yeah, for sure. In and of itself could just be deadly. You know what I mean? Like that's not a route that, you know, look, Hines is a really good route runner for a running back too. Do you know what I mean? Like, he looks like a receiver sometimes when he's lining up out there. So no, I, I think it's a great fit. And I think he's going to um, fit in perfectly with what Buffalo wants to do. All right. So there were some and on trade- the fl- on the flip side though, on, yeah. back in Indianapolis, uh, Deion Jackson's a guy that should be in fantasy, oh. like rostered everywhere, you know, everywhere. at this point, um, you know, Somebody, especially if we're going to, I was saying this, I was saying this, um, when you hear this, it would be two days ago, but this was on Tuesday. I said, you got to go and roster Deion Jackson. I think he's got standalone value. And then for whatever reason, there was like resistance on my mentions. Like, Oh, well, what about Zach Moss? And I'm like, Oh, what about Zach Moss? I'm like, to me, there's like a 30% chance. Zach Moss doesn't even make the team. Um, yeah, totally. And then total throw in peace total throw in peace. And then, and then somebody else was like, well, if Naheem Hines didn't have standalone value, why would Dion Jackson have standalone value? I'm like, bro, not Naheem Hines is now out though. Right? Like it'd be like, if you took Dion Jackson completely out of the mix and it was literally only two running backs there, it was only JT and only Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines would have standalone value. Right? So yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was weird that I was getting resistance in my mentions about it. It's almost like people don't want it to be true. And then again, then we see the reports on Wednesday, right? That, oh, the ankle injury for, right. you know, Jonathan Taylor is lingering um, and he missed some practice. So I don't know. It's, you, you got to go at Deion Jackson. He's a great pass catcher as we've seen. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and the athleticism has definitely shown itself as well. Yeah, and you're not sitting there saying like, oh, Deion Jackson's going to be like a running back too. It's just like if you need a kind of what-the-heck flex type, you can hope that Deion ja- – just like you can do with Naheem Hines. It's like there's no predict- – let me tell you what. There is no predicting Naheem Hines because I've had him on no. before. Like, oh, God, he's no. going to have an eruption spot, but it never makes sense. It's never like, <laughs> oh, the Colts are going to be trailing. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. It's going to be big Naheem. never makes sense. It happens in like games where they win because he goes out there and has like two touchdowns and 100 total yards right. totally randomly. Um, right. You know, Deion Jackson, though, yeah, he can be that guy too. But the big thing is the contingent value, and the pass catching does matter a lot. Uh, 20, 28.6 uh, first downs per target on catches for Deion Jackson. That is the exact same as Naheem Hines this year. 22.6% targets per route run. So he's a guy that has been out there as a pass catcher. And, and I don't think the offense looked like terrible with Sam Ellinger out there. I mean, it was against the Washington uh, Commanders, but still, I think maybe could keep the train on the track there. Oh, 100%, dude. I, I didn't think, yeah, I mean, what were they getting with, you know, old-ass Matt Ryan, 37-year-old Matt Nothing. Ryan, you know? It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I think Ellinger looked fine. I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to sit there and tell you he looked good. Although, no, he's fine. Ma- Michael Pittman, bro, 
He's got to make that catch, dude. Like at yeah, the end of the game. Oh God! <laughs> also, like gets tackled at the one yard line too. It's, oh it was, like, my the, God! All the all time tilting fantasy performance. Like, oh, you know, God, wide open dude. drop and like gets tackled at the one. I know, dude. Oh, it was, crap. Was I mean, tough. but hey, good good target share though. I mean, his highest target yeah, yeah, share yeah. of the of the year for Michael Pittman, which is kind of what we were hoping for when we talked about Pittman with Ellinger was. Let's just hope he goes out there and just laser focuses on one dude, and he did. And hopefully, he didn't. Uh, he doesn't decide to not do it again after that big drop. But uh, you know, I think he might. Oh, yeah. okay. Who is Sam Ellinger to, to determine whether or not Michael Pittman should have caught a ball? You know, who cares? Yeah, yeah just zip it, guy. Sam. Yeah, exactly. You know. This. It's Reception Perception, the show. Ow, ow. James Cole and Matt Harmon. That dovetailed very nicely uh, into sleeper plays for this week because we are in a bye week hell. Six teams on a bye. Deion Jackson, I think, is a deep sleeper play. New England, not a great matchup. That's fine. But uh, again, JT is banged up a little bit. I do wonder if the Colts will utilize Deion Jackson just a little bit more to protect their star running back. But uh, Matt Harmon, hit me with another sleeper that you believe could help folks out there in fantasy. Well, the biggest one has to be Isaiah Likely, um, you know, especially because it's at a, a really troubling position. Uh, we'll call it the tight end position uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, we don't know uh, as of right now uh, whether, you know, Mark Andrews is going to be out there. You know, obviously he suffered an injury. We, we know that to be the case. Uh, but Isaiah Likely really stepped up and, you know, Isaiah Likely is a God, guy that he looked good. He looked good, and he he looked good in the you know this is not new for Isaiah Likely. He looked good in the preseason. Uh, he looked good at Coastal Carolina. He just you know didn't have a great workout stuff like that. But in week eight for Isaiah Likely, uh, eighty one routes per drop back, twenty point six targets per route run, got a first down on eighty three point three percent of his receptions. He was awesome. He was efficient. Uh, he had two red zone targets, one end zone target, like. He looks like a wide receiver out there. And even if Mark Andrews goes like no Rashad Bateman, like Bateman, which I think is the right decision for the Ravens. They got to put Bateman on the right. shelf at this point with this foot injury. Right. Likely he's going to be out there and probably be the number two pass catcher. Uh, so I think he makes a really good uh, sleeper play if still available out there. Dude, can the Ravens not have a wide receiver with the foot problem, please? Like that'd be that great. Would be, that would be, that'd be lovely. If we could, <laughs> could we make that happen? That would be awesome. Um, I will uh, I'll throw a wide receiver out there. How about Marquez Valdez Scantling taking on Tennessee? Tennessee has yeah, given sure. up the most completions, yards, and fantasy points per game on deep passes this year. And should be mentioned that MVS, obviously, as we know, is a deep threat. But over the last six games, MVS leads the team in air yards, tied for the team lead in routes run as well. Um, so overall, decent volume. 5.6 targets per game over his last six games and 73 air yards per game in that stretch. If that sounds like wide receiver two, that's exactly pretty much what we're looking at. That's very like top 30-ish volume when we're looking at wide receivers. Also, let me mention this. Again, great matchup, decent volume. But in his first four years, MVS had a touchdown roughly once every 20 targets. He now has 38 targets on the season with zero touchdowns. Again, if I want to sound smart, I'll say positive regression. But for my, <laughs> but for my, but for my plebeian folks, I'll just say this. The dude is due. MVS yeah. is due. By the way, that's my favorite thing in, in fantasy football is if you say positive regression, you sound smart and people buy it. But if you say, oh, he's due. People are like, you're well, that's you're an idiot. That's not analysis. It's like, guys, that's funny. it's the same damn thing. <laughs> We're just saying it differently. It's this when you say positive regression, that is the smart way of saying he is due. It's the same damn the same thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so true. MVS. Uh, sleeper for you this week against Tennessee. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Um, you know, MVS is. I don't know how they're going to mix in Kadarius Tony, but they might mix him in a little bit, but they're not going to mix him out there as like the X receiver. And that's what Marquez no. Valdez Scantling has been uh, so far this year. I think while he might not be like, he might be like the biggest underperformer uh, of the group. I think you could argue that 
you know, those Chiefs receivers, he's kind of the guy that I, I think from a role perspective is the most locked in. Uh, yeah. So I think we might see Tony eat into McCole Hardman a little bit eventually, probably not into despite the fact that McCole Hardman's had like a three touchdown game I know. last time we saw him. But yeah, so I think <laughs> I like that call with MVS for sure. Uh, I'll go with another uh, receiver here. Um, look, one easy, just as an easy one. And I, cause I'll get this out of the way. Cause I've bagged on Josh Palmer before, but like if Keenan Allen, who has a, his hamstring injury, isn't responding in the, during the bye week or it got worse tra- while training during the bye week. If he misses this game and Mike Williams misses this game and he is going to miss it. Yeah. Josh Palmer, you got to play. Like you got to play him against the Falcons, the Falcons cornerbacks beyond AJ Terrell are terrible. I don't think Josh Palmer is very good. You know, I've said that on this show before, but he's good enough to, you know, be the guy that's going to get a ton of volume against a team that, you know, doesn't have very good cornerback players anyway. So that'll equal out. And I think too, He's probably a better injury replacement for Mike Williams than he is for uh, Keenan Allen, uh, Josh Palmer, because he's like a non-separating perimeter receiver that wins contested, even though he's actually not that great in contested situations. Like that's that's kind of <laughs> the guy he should be. So he's a, he's a guy there. Um, I think if you if you if you got Palmer, you can pretty safely play him during the bye weeks this week. Despite what you think of him as a player, uh, the volume is going to be there, and he's got a great quarterback too. So. Um, Falcons have I, the lowest pressure rate in the league right now, too. So that that's good go. for a, a guy in Herbert who is behind a patchwork offensive line. It should help things out there. That's a dude. Yeah. hundred percent. My God. How about, uh, well, actually I got two, but I'll, I'll say Noah Fant uh, there hmm. for Seattle. It's a pristine matchup. Obviously Arizona gives up uh, the second most fantasy points per game to the tight end position. They just, dude, they're giving up production like crazy. Uh, to that spot. Noah Fant, over the last four weeks, very quietly, third on the team in air yards, third on the team in targets and routes run as well. He's leading. I know they use three, sometimes four tight ends there in Seattle. (laughs) But over the last four weeks now, Noah Fant um, has led, has been the leading receiving option among all the tight ends in Seattle. So, Again, if you're looking and you're desperate for a tight end, Noah Fant uh, does have a chance, I think, to score a touchdown this week. Like that call, yeah, tight end definitely. And look, anytime you could get a, you can get something there. 100 percent agree with that, Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant still stands to to benefit. Although you know these <laughs> these receivers are playing right, you know Lockett's yeah. out there, Metcalf's out there, so you know. Yep. But I think Fant can still mix in there. I do have a couple others here. Okay. Um, so I'll I'll say one more, and you you give your last one, and then yeah. and then we can we can get out here. Love it. I think I think Allen Robinson's a good sleeper this week. Ah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. You know, um, hell yeah. Cooper Cup banged you. up. I'm with you 100. percent I bet Cooper Cup ends up playing whatever. Um, but Allen Robinson, you know, he leads the NFL or he's tied for the lead with with Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf with 10 end zone targets. Um, the Bucks defense is super banged up. Uh, you know, we're talking about like Demarcus Robinson had a big game against them on Thursday night with, for the Ravens. We just talked about Isaiah Likely got going. Devin Duvernay scored a touchdown. It was a rushing touchdown, but still Devin Duvernay had – by the way, I like Duvernay, Duvernay as a, if you're super desperate as a guy you could play. Um, this guy got to he's a guy I got to get a RP profile up on at some point, but you know, Tampa Bay right now, they're sort of middle of the pack in terms of pressure rate. Um, they have a lot of sacks, but you know, they just lost Shaq Barrett for the year. So, um, not great from a pass rushing standpoint there in Tampa Bay right now. And that's obviously the biggest problem for the Rams. And look, I think Robinson's role has kind of stabilized, you know, he has five for 54 game. That's not sexy for fantasy, but, um, it's certainly like, okay, there it's, it's it's better than what we were getting when it was like two for 10 and like a bunch of fake uh, fade targets or whatever. So yeah, exactly. I, he's more integrated into the offense. Now he also drew some pass interference plays early in, in that 49ers game before it went off the uh, went off the rails there. So I feel like Robinson can have a pretty decent week there for uh, the Rams in Tampa with against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dude. And, and again, I don't know. Um, it is fair to wonder how much how much time it takes for a brand new receiver, veteran wide receiver, to get acclimated with a new playbook and a new quarterback as well. Um, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, possibly, it's starting to gel. Maybe, possibly, it's starting to happen. Um, I think that's at least uh, look. It's at least in the range of outcomes, right? Like it's at least a possibility yeah. that that's what's happening. 
it's never going to happen to our highest hopes this year. That was dead of the course. moment we saw the Rams offensive line in week one. And yeah. Robinson, I, again, I still think we even acknowledge even going into this year, he's likely taking a step back as a player. But mm-hmm. bi- the big part of the thesis of Robinson was he was going to catch a lot of touchdowns, and he has been so involved in the scoring area. But, um, you know, he's and he's certainly, again, he's taken a step back as a player, absolutely. But he's yeah. still a, a quality, I think, starting receiver for this team. But just be- being a quality starting receiver for the Rams if your name's not Cooper Cup it gets you in the sleepers section and that's where we're at (laughs) there you go um okay one last one for me how about Terrace Marshall uh we've been talking about him for weeks I feel like (laughs) hey 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 calm down pal Gelhar Gelhar and I talked about it we talked about it in the last episode so I'm I'm kind of with you on this look he saw nine targets last week all right and we know he's a um excellent you know um size speed combination guy uh, they've kicked him outside. He's played about 90% yes. of his snaps outside, whereas before he was almost exclusively a slot man. Um, and it's and it's really interesting. I know you've pointed this out. And then, you know, our former colleague over at NFL Network, uh, not Chad Reuter. Oh, my gosh. Who? Um, uh, who's the guy that does all the draft write-ups? Lance Zierlein. Oh, sorry. Lance Zierlein. Uh, said the exact same thing in his write-up about Terrace Marshall is that he's not a slot. He played that yeah. at, at LSU, but he's not a slot. He I don't know what they were doing with having having him play as a slot receiver last year. I, well, just mark it up for another one for for yeah. Matty Rule. <laughs> good, good point. Jeez. I don't know. That's like a little tenth on the list of what the f things were the Panthers <laughs> doing for Matt Rule. So my apologies. Right. Well, and again, this actually goes hand in hand too, right? With DJ Moore finding, you know, a season high 40% of his snaps lined up as a slot man um, in these past couple of weeks too, right? So like they've been mixing and matching and they're, they're saying like, hey, you know, this 6'4 guy that ran a 4-4-40? Yeah, maybe we should kick him outside and see what he could do <laughs> as an so X receiver. I don't know. Maybe Maybe he can do some stuff. I don't know. Um, nine targets, four receptions, 87 yards, decent production. Obviously you'd like to see a little bit uh, more efficiency from uh, a cat catch rate perspective, but taking on Cincinnati who, by the way, just lost Chidi Awuzie for the season. Eli mm, Apple, their other starting cornerback also banged up. They're running a couple, potentially a couple rookie cornerbacks out there. I think Marshall does have a chance actually. Um, if he can maintain that kind of role, um, and dude, he played like 92, 93% of the snaps. Yeah. He's out there. He is out there a ton. Um, if he can maintain that kind of role, actually a decent sleeper this week, widely available as well, even after waivers have run. Great call. Um, I like it a lot. It's, it's frisky obviously, but, uh, my promise to the people is I will get an update on Terrace Marshall reception perception uh, after the rookie report gets done, which I'm, I'm currently banging away. should have promoted that off the top, but um, ha, you know, you should have done that, but whatever I'm banging away on the rookie report. I will get to guys like Terrace Marshall because the discord is banging my door down. We need a Terrace Marshall update now because they're sharp. They're sharp. You know, they're listening to the podcast about how he's a yeah. perimeter receiver and, and that makes a difference because just couldn't hack it as a slot. So I, I like that call right. a lot. Yeah, me too. All right, so there you go. Uh, we try to help the people out there. We're a podcast for the people, baby. Uh, but I tell you what, man, our time does run short. Um, and when you hear this, I'm sure you're going to be getting ready for week number nine. Thursday Night Football right around the corner. And, of course, a big and busy week number nine with six teams on a bye. You're going to need some help. And hopefully we did just that on the Reception Perception, the show podcast. All right. But again, our time does run short. I want to wish everyone a good luck here in week number nine for Matt Harmon. I am James Coe. See ya.